0: Let, let's just try doing something, not, not setting the stage for some monumental run every night, you know, five miles or something. It's just like, just get out for 20 minutes. If you've got 20 minutes, just get out for 20 minutes, you know? Mm-hmm. Just make it a priority. And, um, when things are prioritized, um, they tend to get done, right? Welcome to the Fit Diaries Podcast with your host, Claudius Osei. Real success stories from real people with a sharp focus on revealing the tips and tricks that will make
1: you the next success story. Welcome to the Fit Podcast, where we take an inside look into the real life stories of regular people accomplishing amazing things in health and fitness. Today's guest is an entrepreneur who overcame a debilitating health issue when he decided to train for the Ironman triathlon to refocus his life. Listen in to discover how redefining success through incremental improvements in physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being can help you transform not only your health, but also your entire life. Without further ado, please welcome James Ashcroft. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to me today, James, and before we dive into your amazing story, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and the people you care about the most.
0: Yeah, well, thanks very much for having me Chloe. I really really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, my name is James Ashcroft. Um, I was originally born in England um and headed over to the United States uh, when I was about twelve years old so so uh, a lot of your listeners might be spending time trying to figure out what this crazy accent is. It's a, it's a hybrid. So uh, I, I've been here for, uh, for 20-something years and uh, have a wife, family, and um, now I'm a 42-year-old, just a regular guy. You know, I I'm 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 own a couple of businesses um, and have uh, taken up um, athletics late in life um, to get healthy. And I know we're going to cover some of that ground, so I'm looking forward to doing uh, Yeah, definitely. a awesome musician. I'm also a musician and, uh, and, um, you know, just, just like everyone else, just trying to find uh, happiness as much as I can in my life and, and, uh, and, and, and feel successful and rewarded at the end of the day. So, um, thanks again for having me. All
1: right. No problem. Very, very glad to have you. So you mentioned that you started late in life. Did you have any kind of history of athletics at all? Did you play any sports when you were a child or?
0: Not really. You know, growing up in England, we I, I was in a school where they, they um, force you to do athletics and sports. And, um, it, you know, in, in England during the uh, late 70s, early 80s, uh, it was pretty much the same way now, heavily in rugby and uh, football, you know, soccer in the States and game cricket there. And, um, you know, I really didn't excel in any of them. Uh, it really wasn't my bag. Um, so, as soon as I got in, it came to the states and I could wiggle my way out of PE, um, <laughs> I did by joining uh, you know the, the band in school and the jazz band and and the marching band and I, I was uh, all in on that to get out of sports. So no, I was uh, not really athletic at all um, and, uh, and and wasn't so really until kind of into, into my thirties. Um, but uh, yeah, no, no real athletic prowess
1: okay and so so what brought you to what what got you to actually want to pursue anything athletically
0: well you know it kind of uh, my eyes open up a bit so i was living in california uh in the early 2000s and there's tons of mountain biking and i i, I kind of ran with a the crew there who went to mountain biking so i quickly decided i was going to get a bike um and i went up the trails with them and i really really enjoyed it and i think the big takeaway here for anyone who's um, you know, not really into sports right now or doesn't really have uh, that um, sport or exercise regimen that they that they do regularly. I, th- I challenge them to really dig back and think about um, what they enjoyed doing as a kid. I really, growing up in, a, in kind of a, a small town in England, um, I rode my bike a ton. So when I got back on the wheels in, in Southern California, I kind of re-found this uh, passion I had for, for being on a bike, you know, so I kind of went all in, got all the gear, and I really got into mountain biking, enjoyed it, and I uh, cruised all over LA on my bike, um, and uh, really enjoyed it, but it, it, you know, it wasn't, it, it was just a hobby, it's something I did, and, and I did it as much as I could. Um, I moved to Florida after California, there's not too much mountain biking here, and <laughs> really the same. thing you can have the same fun on a road bike. So, you know, just mm-hmm. a weekend warrior with my friends, you know, nothing crazy, you know, it's mm-hmm. 25 miles with my friends on Saturday mornings. And, and, um, you know, we did that and we got a group of about five or six of us. who rode together regularly and we decided to do a few charity rides. So we, uh, we did the MS one fifty down here and that was a big deal that we trained up for that. That was mm-hmm. like 75 miles each way from Miami down to keys and back. So, um, you know that that was really started my journey that ultimately turned into what we, you know, the stories that that are included in my book
1: about triathlon. Mm-hmm.
0: But but again, it was just a, it was a it was a. To this day, when I'm riding a bike I have a smile on my face, I kind of feel like that kid.
1: And yeah, and that's that's so important, which is something that I'm trying to mention all the time. Like I always ask my clients. they enjoyed as a kid because that's so important to to incorporate those movements into your workout because it it just releases endorphins and releases things in your brain that just make you feel happy and make you enjoy the workout and whatever you're doing so it is so important to to stick with what your body is kind of used to what you enjoyed from way back when so it's very true
0: the brain doesn't really forget those. I mean, I'm I'm not a neuroscientist by any stretch of imagination, but there were neural pathways that were formed as, as a child. You know, if you have great memories of, like I do, riding a bicycle around in the rain in, in England through farms and and uh, thoroughly enjoyed it, and you get back on the bike and you quickly, you know, flash back to those great feelings, and, and, and it's just a joy. And that that's something I consciously try to implement moving forward in anything I do is have that sense of joy and wonder and, and everything I do. So to your point with your clients, I think that's tremendously valuable. You might find um, just off the top of my head, you know, someone who's maybe into dance as a child, you know, might really enjoy taking up more of a movement uh, sport, you know, like a like a martial art or something that might be a good there. So.
1: Yeah, because there's a lot of crossover. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of crossover in the movements. If you're moving laterally for your sport, or you're moving across, like twisting and turning, or you're going straight forward. I mean, just incorporating those movements more into your workout is going to make your more workout more enjoyable. Off top, like just by just doing that without even getting deep into what exercises and all those other things, but just figuring out the way you move back then and and incorporating that, it definitely helps.
0: Yeah, I mean, and and also it's. Um... You know, it doesn't have to be about getting in the gym and like powering through weights and stuff. And I, I always just talk to people um when they want to get into, into um, you know, improving their physical well-being. It's like, take a walk, you know, just walk through some fields, take a walk along the beach, Dude, just get out and be human, you know, just walk and move around <laughs> yeah. space because, because everything counts in the end, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. one in front of the other, so. A lot of people put a lot of pressure. It's why those gyms make all the money in the beginning of the year, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. some, it's some ridiculous number. It's like, you know, it's a minute number of people that actually sign up in the gyms who commit through the year. And they, I think gyms make 80, 90% of their revenue in January
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, or something like that. You know, it, it's some big number, right? And uh,
1: yeah.
0: and a lot of people put pressure on themselves to, to get in there, and it, it's hard, you know? So I, I just recommend just doing what comes naturally what's fun, you know, just do a lot of that.
1: <laughs> definitely. And you mentioned your book. So, um, diving into it. I mean, I read, read your book and it's, it's an amazing story. I would recommend for anybody to read it. It, it definitely is inspiring and, and has a lot of good tips that kind of help you stay on your journey or get on your journey, whatever it might take to, to do that. So talk me about that. You mentioned in your book that you had some, health issues that kind of led you to, to your, to your journey. So tell the listeners a little bit about that, if you will.
0: Yeah. So we just kind of step back a second, you know, was, uh, I was, you know, in my mid thirties and, um, I was, I was quite out of weight. I mean, I'm I'm sorry, overweight. And, uh, um, like I mentioned before, I was kind of riding my bike with friends and stuff, but I was eating too much. I was drinking alcohol quite regularly, you know, doing the, the business happy hours and, and just things were adding up and it just wasn't heading in the right direction. Um, uh, I was unaware of that kind of going heading in the right, wrong direction. I wasn't until, uh, in November of 2011, I was uh, coming back on an airplane flight, uh, with my wife and kids and we just attended a uh, three days. Uh, college reunion, um, where I acted like a 22 year old again, had the time of my life, saw old friends. We were just eating, drinking just for three days straight. It was a, it was a fun experience, but really on the airplane, um, suffered a, a, what I think is a, is a panic attack. And um, I was just, my body was just screaming out to me, saying, What's what, What's going on? And it was a real eye for me. It was the first time I felt like I wasn't in control of what was happening to me. Um, and it was scary. So um, that was November 2011. I decided to do a reverse New Year's resolution. So I said between uh, the date of November and um, New Year's Day, meaning December 31st at 11.59, 59, I was not going to drink any alcohol and just uh, see what happens, see if I can lose some weight, improve my health. And, and um, sure enough, you know, everything uh, worked out great. I was probably the only person I know that lost weight over Christmas. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I hit the new year's running. Um, and, uh, um, I did suffer a, a medical condition in, in February. I had a, um, of 2012, I had a, um, had a migraine, uh, first one in my life and hopefully the last, last for about three weeks. And I was in and out of the hospital dealing with, uh, neurologists, uh, neuro-ophthalmologists. I was getting MRIs, MRAs, GP scans, uh, spider spinal tap. Um, it was just debilitating and there was no sign of it ending, and uh, that really was the final score. And I decided I was going to, well, I had to, not even going to, because I had to make some changes. If you uh, it, it scaled out the trajectory about where I was heading prior to this, it was just it became apparent it wasn't going to end well. Um, So I decided to um, treat myself better. So I kind of stopped drinking alcohol, I, I laid off caffeine, And um, I decided to do something that I had been considering for a while, which was uh, switch to a vegetarian lifestyle. I know it's not for everyone. It just works for me very well. Um, And and I discovered a book. that Your readers might find fascinating called um, Finding Ultra. It's a story about a gentleman named Rick Roll, who was a lawyer, quite successful and everything. But he had a bad drinking problem and um, decided to get healthy and ran the Ultraman um, triathlon which is basically a double Ironman and it was just an amazing story and it really stuck with me during those months I was in recovery so I, um, I decided to challenge myself and kind of where the book goes is the story about getting to the starting line of the uh, Ironman Florida in 2013 I'll have to, uh, have to let your readers read the book and, and, uh, and, and, and understand the story that went but it was just an amazing transformation for me uh, mm-hmm. I, I I got physically healthy, uh, emotionally healthy, non- mentally sharp and engaged, and, uh, and and uncovered a whole new level of spirituality for me, um, which was um, um, just just a blessing. And,
1: uh, and with that, and where you do you think you would have been able to go through this traf- transformation if it wasn't for the migraine? Do you think you would have still went for? For the goals that you went after
0: what I can tell you without a doubt is um, if you peel back the onion one step further that if I for me and I I'm, I'm I need to disclose that this is what works for me um, everyone is different, so what works <laughs> for me might not work for the next guy, but for me, um, quitting alcohol um, was a big thing i i wasn't a um, a daily drinker by any stretch of imagination, but I did burn a lot of energy over weekends and, and, uh, and such by, you know, going out with friends, doing business, happy hours, and then really not having the energy, um, to, um, be a productive person over the weekends or, or any day after drinking. Um, and so my energy levels over time will will kind of ebb and flow, you know, peaks and valleys. And, um, so I would say without a doubt where I am now would not be possible if I didn't have that stable energy level that I have now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, every day is a 1% improvement. Every day is one foot in front of the other. And if I didn't have that energy and the clarity to do that every day consciously,
1: then I would not be where I am today for sure. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I just, I just mentioned that because so many people, they, the, the the enemy of grapes is good. They say, so, by having something that is okay where you're just moseying along and things are just all right, it doesn't really, doesn't really foster change for a lot of people. So when, whenever people really go after change is when something dramatic happens where they just can't take it anymore, where, where it's just too much of a bad thing, that, where they have to change. So that's a lot of times the a catalyst for a lot of people to get active yeah. and, and, and to, to change things in their life for, for the better.
0: Yeah, I mean, of course, you know, it, it, sometimes it, it, it's uh, it, the fear of change, right? It can be quite debilitating itself. You know, it's scary to change, mm-hmm. but when the fear of not changing becomes greater than the fear of changing, that's when change happens, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. You just got to kind of let the process play out, and then when it does become too painful not to change, that's when change happens. I, um, you know, just to go back to your original question, yeah, certainly um, being sick like that was a, a tremendous wake-up call for me. Um, you know, I, I was scared. There's no doubt about it. You know, there, there are instances where people living have to live with these migraines and I felt like by week three that I might be in that pool. And it was incredibly scary. Um, and, um, and you know, I, I would have given anything at that point just to get rid of this thing. Nothing is working. So, um yeah, it's it's all part and parcel, right? So I, I can't really unpack it and say just because of the migraine. But I, I think it was where I am today is just a, a bunch of events that came together and then a bunch of, of um, changes that I made, that, mm-hmm. that are conscious changes, you know, and that's what I talk about in my book. It, it, then, it, in, in part one, I kind of talk about what the timeline and, and the events that happened, getting to the starting line of the Iron Man, and kind of get the backstory, but then the second part of the book is, is then saying, why? Why did all these things work? And, and mm-hmm. what did I learn from this? And that's where I, I dive into this four filters of, of That's
1: that's actually a perfect segue into what I wanted to talk about a lot because it was very fascinating, Um, your uh, MAPS um, Mm -hmm. theory, so with the mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual. So for you personally, at your starting point, was it more of a mental thing that got you to act or was it more physical or emotional? What would you say got you started to say, okay, I'm going to change my life. I'm going to change my health.
0: Well, it's interesting. So, yeah, you would referenced the MAPS, which stands for mental well-being, emotional well-being, physical well-being, and spiritual well-being. And I actually learned about this concept in, in, a, in a business group that I'm in. I'm in an entrepreneur's organization, and I meet with a forum monthly. It's seven other guys, and uh, we, you know, we talk about what's going on in our lives. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a facilitator named John Drury, and he um, did kind of get started at one meeting off with of this mental check in. Um, so, how do you mentally feel, emotionally feel, and such? And, you know, it, it was simple. He would saying, yeah, mentally I feel sharp, emotionally, you know, fortunate. Um, I, you know, physically tired and spiritually connected, right? That would be a standard thing. But the more I thought about that, as the days passed, I was like, what a great way to kind of gauge how the day's going or how your week's going, or how you're feeling in general. And so I started really thinking about it. And then, as I mentioned in the book, uh, I discovered the work of James Altucher, um, who, uh, calls this his daily practice, very similar, uh, looking at those four um, well-beings. And um, I actually just really, really started focusing on it and then developing these concepts. And, and I actually changed it from maps, and I, I turned it into a key P- EMS, meaning physical first, emotion second, mental third, and then spiritual uh, on, the, on the heels of all the other three. And um, I just really, really believe, especially after what happened with me, that the physical well-being is first and foremost. If you have disease, if you have um, you know, physical ills, um, if you're not in shape, if you have problems Listen, and I'm not talking about the people who have genuine problems of of, of a disease and in, in a sense of diagnoses and cancers and, and God forbid all those terrible things. I'm just talking about um, everyday people who who could be in better shape, so just was very clear on that. Um, and, um, and I just really learned that with that migraine, I could not function. I mean, it didn't matter, you know how the rest of my life is going. If I can, if I can function, then then life could be a very tough battle. Um, every minute I'm on this earth. So, um, that came first. And then out of the physical well-being, then I, then I started thinking emotions and emotion can really mean, um, how you feel about your place in this universe, um, and the people that are with you and the conscious choices. There's a lot of negative people in, in in our lives that could maybe be be evaluated, so I, I you know I kind of came to this metric of you know just spending more time with people who love and support you. Um, so uh-huh. um, I I thought with physical health health and then kind of building your tribe of people who support and embrace who you are and what you want to accomplish, and it makes you feel good. Uh, that was kind of the, the second foundation. The third was um, mental. Once you, once you have those in place, then you've got to start challenging yourself, you know, improving yourself, improving the way you think, your brain, um, through reading, through mentorship, through you know, doing a job you love that challenges you. Um, and I think once you have those three, then it allows room for the spiritual side. Now when I say spiritual, I don't necessarily mean going to church or religion. It could mean uh, sense of gratitude, sense of appreciation in what you have, to do, those around you, all the abundance in your life, um, mm-hmm. and so it's, it was. Um, consciously recognizing how fortunate you are to be on this planet, blasting through space, and and I kind of have a sense of awe in the world. You know, mm-hmm. the whole concept of these things is: that if you imagine a Venn diagram with those four circles—one being physical, one emotional, one mental, one spiritual. Remember those mm-hmm. 10 diagrams from school, you know? And then we would take those four circles and the intersection of all four of those is really the best version of you. Mm-hmm. That's why my book is called The Best Me. It, it's and the more time I can play within that intersection, the better version of myself I am. So I mm-hmm. need to be consciously thinking about things that can place me in that best me um, intersection. It's not to say that everything I do can... Get me there, but I use some examples in the book. You know, for me, um, I enjoy running immensely. It's become a passion of mine. It's a very physical um, thing to do. I also emotionally, um, and my dog just passed, unfortunately. But, but sorry know, to hear that you know, Thank you. Um, emotionally, like one of my the great joys of my life was uh, was my dog. So, I, in a very simple concept, so if I enjoyed running, passion, and I love my dog. I should spend more time at that intersection, that physical and emotional, by running with my dog. That's a great way to really improve my day, my mood, and do something in the day I'm proud and and enjoy immensely. So it's just a conscious. It's very simple, right? It's just a level of thinking to start putting things in bucket. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: You know, and I, and I and I have further examples in the book. So uh, I I, I you know, I'd love for, for you listeners of, of yours to, to take a look at it and. And uh, maybe there's a few things or different career choices they can make by looking through the lens of four filters.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, the, your phone—it's it's, the reception's getting a little bit dicey. I don't know if you're a little far away from the mic or something, but um, if you could get a little closer, that might help. Because I lost the last sentence you said okay. a little bit. There okay,
0: please—is that better?
1: Oh yeah, that's much better.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: All right. Yeah. um, So you talked about the physical leading the way. So what does exercise kind of mean to the rest of your life? How does it affect you personally?
0: Yeah, well, the first thing um, that has really changed for me is um, putting physical well-being at front and center. I'm never too busy for it anymore. So I, you know, I tend to run a lot now. Um, So I spend... Listen, I, I found that if if I don't have enough time for running, I have a real issue, right? Like mm-hmm. with time management, with focus, and I need to make time to run every day. Um, so no matter how busy I am, how stressed I am, I always put that first. And I guarantee you some of my best thoughts in life and decisions I've made and ideas that have come to me have been when I'm running. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I've really learned to put that first
1: and foremost so um, how how, how are you life. able how are you able to do that? Because a lot of people they they want exercise or health to be at the center of their life, and they they might feel that it should be a priority, but they're having trouble making it a, pro- a priority. How how would you get somebody to make it a priority? What would you suggest to them?
0: Well, I'm glad that you're using the word priority instead of they don't have time, right? Because mm-hmm. a lot of people that's like the number one um, kind of false <laughs> reasoning. They give them something, hey, listen, I don't have time to do it. And it's really, no, they just haven't made it a priority. We all have the same amount of hours in the day, the days of the week, days of the month. Um, like I said, I, I listen, we do got to approach being physically well-being and the act of getting in physical shape as as professionals. We need to carve out time. You know, you need to go on your lunch break, take a walk around your office block. You need to, you know, wake up an hour earlier and get out and, and, you know, go to your garage and lift weights or, you know, run around your neighborhood. Um, It's just making it a focus, you know. Um, Listen, I get that people work long, long hours and, and some people are in environments that are out of their control as far as, you know, hours they need to work and they do have things cut short. But then again, let, let's just try doing something, not not setting the stage for some monumental run every night, you know, five miles or something. It's just, like, just get out for 20 minutes. If you've got 20 minutes, just get out for 20 minutes, you know, mm-hmm. just make it a priority. And um, when things are prioritized, um, they tend to get done, right? So, um, I, I would just, if, if you really genuinely want to get out and get physically more in shape and all these things, then, um, make it a priority, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, truly make it a priority. It's easy to say, but make it a priority journal, you know, write your goals down. Um, get the calendar out and put it you know there's a great quote by jerry seinfeld the comedian he said that he he has to write jokes every day material every day so what he did was he put a big calendar up on his wall and a big red sharpie and every day that he sat down and did whatever it was an hour of writing for him he would mark that day off with a huge x right and -hmm. eventually he said he would get you know you know 20 of these x's this big row and it just looks so amazing and he said it was just unbearable to think of of stopping that streak right of mm-hmm. of like missing a day so it forced him to do it and i would just um, challenge anyone just to, i mean get back to the basics do do that get a calendar and just you put every day that you do it and you just slowly start building up momentum you know or, or get an accountability partner you know i i have a coach. So, you know, um, and and that helps me out tremendously. I've gone on to do another, you know, quite a few other long distance events, marathons and and triathlons. And the one time that I actually said to my coach, you know, I'm going to take some time off. And, and, you know, we kind of split ways and I signed up for another another event. And um, three months later, here I was, you know, two days before the event and I bailed on it. That's the only time because I didn't have that consistency. I didn't have that accountability of having someone helping me reach my goals. So I would say just for, you know, outside of hiring a coach, you know, find an accountability partner, uh, work out with someone or just have some kind of accountability that if you miss, uh, miss a day, then, you know, you've got to give your buddy five bucks. I mean, mm-hmm. something, you know, um, accountability goes a long way.
1: So. Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, most, most trainers, Want to believe that they have all this knowledge and this great training plan and, and, and the best advice. But in reality, most of it is, is being accountable to somebody. So their clients will succeed because they, they feel they're accountable to somebody. So just that the kind of accountability that you mentioned is very important and which doesn't have mm-hmm. to be a trainer. Obviously, like you said, it can be a friend. It can be somebody who's just there supporting you and, and, and kind of keeping you on track. So it's very important. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, this goes back to what we're talking about with the four filters of the emotional support.
0: Yeah. I mean, get people mm-hmm. who are going to, who are going to, you can sit down with, discuss your goals and they're going to help you and support you, you know, to attain your goals. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, find those people, you know, they're out there. It could be, like you said, it could be, that person can be a coach or can be a trainer, you know, um, mm-hmm. in your world, you know, and those, are, the, you know, the, those clients, you know, those clients who, who come in and they're engaged and they want, they have defined goals and you help them get there. And there are days that they don't, they don't want to show up and you have to call them out and, and that's the support structure they need. So I think it's a lot of self-awareness of what goals you want and then realize that if you're not the, typically the person that, that reaches their goals without accountability, then, you know, you need accountability. So be self-aware enough to create your accountability. It doesn't have to be pay. It can't be friends. It can be an online group. Um, I just had an example where I just came out with my book and I was stalling on it. And I didn't have an accountability partner for it, so I was on, you know, I'm in this online writing group, and I said, "Hey, listen, I want five of you to give me a PayPal address. Is if I don't have my book up on Amazon by June first, I'm going to send each of you a hundred bucks." You know, mm-hmm. and uh, I tell you what, I, it made me hustle because I'd rather spend, uh, you know, five six hundred dollars on my uh, wife and kids rather than it's complete <laughs> stream. So mm-hmm. the real motivating factor it became a pride issue. So, again, I'm self-aware enough to realize that unless I have deadlines, unless I have accountability, I tend to procrastinate and get stuck in this perfectionism. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I highly highly recommend that.
1: And in the book, you also mentioned that people shouldn't beat themselves up over not achieving every single goal they have or 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 maybe not doing everything that they that they should have done and not to beat yourself up over it how how are you able to kind of not let that spiral down into uh, giving up or, or or quitting
0: yeah i mean i mean stuff happens right and there are days that i just don't have the energy to to do what i need to do um or want to do in order to attain my goal, but I found that really, and then I'm not talking about a consistent, um, dropping the ball. I'm talking about There might be a day where I'm, I'm just like, you know, I'm just not into working out today. And I just, I've, I've kind of, start thinking that, you know, the whole world is not going to come to an end. So don't beat myself up. Just let it go. This is my off day. I'm not feeling good. Tell my accountability partner, you know, be honest with, I mean, I think that's the critical threat, right? You got to be honest. Like I I told myself a long time ago, I was not never going to lie to my coach ever because I'm just cheating myself. So Mm -hmm. I'll just say this and I just missed my, I just didn't feel like he's there. I felt like sitting on the couch and, you know, watching a movie instead of going out for a bike ride. Um, I just found that's great. And I actually had a wonderful quote yesterday. It said fighter pilots don't have rear view mirrors, meaning, you know, you can't look back on everything, you know, life is a, is a battle, uh, uh you know, you, one step in front of the other and, and even the best fighter pilots, uh, make mistakes. They don't have rear view mirror. They keep on flying forward. And so I'm really trying to embrace that, you know, because things do happen and I'm not going to start to kind of attach my, my, um, you know, my end game with, with, or, or ruin my, my journey, just because I'm having an off day. Everyone has an off day. But just you—you got to be aware enough not to uh, get caught up in excuses or, or dropping the ball a lot. I mean, it's got to be more of the exception than the rule, mm-hmm. you know. But kind of losing that attachment to the perfect way, you know, or, or if I've got a training schedule that, you know, I, I, you know, for the next month I've got to do everything perfectly.
1: It's like sometimes,
0: sometimes you're just going to not
1: have a day, you know. Mm-hmm. And also. That's very true. But in the book, you also mentioned um, something about happiness, like where true happiness come from with Deepak Chopra. When you said you were listening to one of his speeches, and or had a Q and A with him, and what I found interesting was the, the 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 equation that he had up there as far as what true happiness is about. Um, in that equation, it shows a little bit about like the emotional set point, your conditions of living, and your choices basically comprise your whole happiness. Can you explain right. a little bit about how the emotional set point works and and why that's so important and the choices you make as opposed to the yeah, conditions I mean, I think of living?
0: I mean, the most, the the most simple answer is if if you're kind of a life is half full, half empty kind of person, you know, um, if you're someone who, um, thinks that life is full of opportunity and, and wonder and all these things that you're, you know, your, your happiness base set point is going to be higher than someone who looks like, you know, life is, is something to fear and, you know, nothing's going to work out. So, um, you know, with all the new science coming out, we can control a lot of that, you know, if we start thinking the right way, um, then we can, um, um start developing those tools and, the, and that mindset that life is good. Life is, um, something to, to be amazed with and, and just kind of like let all the, the, Bad stuff kind of roll off our back, right? Mm-hmm. and then the other things. The next concept is that it really, um, and I think the number in the US is like seventy-five thousand dollars a year. Once you eclipse that, then the the rate of return on happiness is, is a diminishing return, meaning that you know, you know, once you got all your shelter and your basic food and basic necessities to be comfortable and happy, then every dollar you make, you know, doesn't necessarily mean more happy. Right. We -hmm. always hear a lot of people who are wealthy, who are miserable and sad and lonely. Um, so, you know, that, so, you know, that's just something to think about. So it's all part of the equation of, um, that, that don't chase the dollar, you know, really, Mm -hmm. really focus on, um, on, on getting essentials, but then making choices where, yeah, you can make more money doing these things or that, those things, but don't, don't let that get in the way of eating up too much time. You can't do things you would really love like a bike riding isn't it you know mm-hmm. what's the point of being in a, stuck in an office for 18 hours a day If you mean we always hear about you know have lawyer friends or, or things and they're like yeah i've got this amazing apartment that, that i never get to see because i'm always at the office i mean i'm not too sure how how great that is right so <laughs> so maybe maybe you can make half the money and spend you know twice as much time at home and uh, doing mm-hmm. the things that you love so that's just you know something to think about
1: yeah what uh, really yeah. resonate oh go ahead I'm sorry. No, no, you go ahead. Up. You jump in, boys. Yeah. Oh uh, no, go I ahead. was just I was just mentioning like what really resonated with me with that concept was the fact that um, the emotional set point and the choices that you make in life. It's at something close to like eighty 80% percent or eighty some percent of that is what true happiness is about and only like a small number like 12 or 15 percent was about the conditions of living which to me like right. translated into fitness meaning that it doesn't matter if you're starting off being overweight or it doesn't matter if you don't really have much time to work out because you have two jobs and you have kids and all those other things it just me- meant to me that the conditions of life really not going to help you achieve anything. That's not, not the major point that's going to help you achieve something. So the emotional set point and the choices that you make will, will truly get you to where you want to be. So that's where I kind of, what I took out of, out of that. Yeah, inflation.
0: no, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. Absolutely. A hundred percent. You know, the, the other, the other point of, of happiness, you know, kind of get, we, we, we sit around and maybe we bought into like having this happy life, but, but happiness is really a biological byproduct of situations. Um, so um, my my whole point in the book and what I spend a lot of time thinking about is, is rather than a state of continuous happiness, we need to recognize it for what it is, which is a is a chemical reaction in our brain um, mm-hmm. when something is good. In our life, you know, or something brings us joy, chemicals release into our brain, and then we feel happy, right? Mm-hmm. The brain metabolizes those chemicals quite quickly, and then we kind of go back to our base set. So, the goal in life should be instead of looking for one stream of happiness, which is a bit of a myth, we mm-hmm. should be looking on things that give us lots of those peaks of happiness. Mm-hmm. So, they could be you know, a a great marriage, you know, where you see your wife and you feel, you know, joy, that that's going to bring you those happy feelings. You know, it's walking into the office where, you know, you thoroughly engage in what you do. That's going to, those are going to provide you lots of those peaks of happiness, right? Mm -hmm. Um, If you have a great circle of friends, you hang out with them on the weekend, they make you feel good. That's going to bring more happiness in your life, the chemical reactions, you know? Mm. Over time, all those all those peaks result in a happier life, you know? So that became really, really apparent to me, you know, that, that part of the my process was Cleaning out those relationships that weren't working, removing clutter in my life that was, you know, emotionally handicapping me, um, mentally draining me, um, all, all these things, and just create more room for happiness peaks. Really looking at it logically, you know. So, um, yeah, I think there is a bit of a happiness myth. Maybe that could be the next uh, title of my book, actually, "Happiness Myth," because I really do really buy. I really do buy into um, into conscious decision making to,
1: to uh, engage more of those happy chemicals in your brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is like, I, I'm so interested in that. So I really hope you will write that book because that's what I'm, what I'm really reading a lot, a lot up on is like happiness and how to create that feeling and to release those hormones in your body to feel that yep. because that's what I'm trying to recreate with my workouts and with, mm-hmm. with everything I'm doing as far as fitness is concerned. So, so it's definitely an interesting topic. Um, Yeah, so we're we nearing the end of the podcast. So I just want to make sure that you have some time at the end to kind of talk a little bit about your book a little more and, and see where, where anybody can connect with you. But before you do, could you maybe give the listeners one more piece of advice? I mean, you mentioned a lot of good advice already, but one more piece of advice that you would give somebody to kind of get to their goal of of health and fitness.
0: Yeah, you know, just I think really talking about, you know, thinking about what we just talked about with the happiness myth and, um, you know, just, just really bringing more things into your life that give you lots of those, ha- you know, happy peaks. Um, it, it adds up to a happier life. Um, and But, you know, I think your listeners are listening to the right material right now, listening to your podcast. I, I think I really do think physical well-being is the cornerstone for everything. Um, when I attain this, I'm not perfect. I've got, uh, you know, I'm a work in progress myself. Physically, there's things I I need to do to improve, but they became very aware that that um, you know physical well being is the cornerstone for everything. So the more time you spend um, thinking about your physical well being, making the smart choices of nutrition, um, you know, spending time improving yourself physically and again, it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, doing wind sprints down your street or, you know, pumping big iron. It means just getting out, you know, breathing fresh air, walking on a beach, walking you know, on grass, um, you know, just moving, any kind of movement Adds up, and and um, that is how you start to improve um, every other aspect in your life with that with that healthy, you know, engagement. So, you know, kudos to
1: your your listeners listening to your podcast. I think it's a great great step in the right direction. All right, awesome, thank you. And so, yeah, where can people find out more about you and kind of contact you? Maybe get a little more to know about yourself.
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I do all my writing at jamesashcroft.com. Uh, James, and it's Ashcroft, A-S-H-C-R-O-F-T.com. Um, and right now, kind of my thing is every Friday, I release a newsletter called the Friday Four. And, um, typically it's a quote that, um, that I had heard that I've been, you know, kind of playing around with. And, um, I'll put out a quote and then I'll, I'll give some thoughts about it. Uh, it might be a book with some, uh, valuable takeaways that I've, I've taken away from the book and, and I write and share those, um, a lot of business stuff. I'm an entrepreneur myself. So there might be business books that, you know, there might be five key points that I write about, uh, or there might be some music or a movie. Um, and, uh, as as I send those out every Friday morning, um, so um, I'd love for your listeners to sign up. And um, we discussed before, you know, I'm, I'm happy to share my book with your readers for free. Um, if if they want to get a copy, um, I understand that it's only released on Kindle right now. So a lot of people don't have a Kindle. So I do have a PDF version. You know, I'm happy to send to your listeners. So they just want to go to uh, jamesashcroft.com slash fit, F-Y-T. Um, I will set that up and get them a copy, and I hope that uh, they'll continue to spread the spread the word you know and and continue this journey um that you're on that I'm
1: on too, which is to promote you know well being in general so oh, thank um, you so much i mean uh are welcome. appreciate it, and I'm sure the listeners will too so anybody listening make sure you you go to the website get the book it's amazing it really i didn't I, I mean i read a lot of this kind of content so i didn't expect to gain more knowledge than than i already had but it definitely opened my eyes to some some more things so i definitely would recommend anybody picking up the book and 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 getting with the offer
0: thanks very much Chloe, and thanks very much for having me i apologize if there was any technical issues with the, with the voice, you know, with the volume there and everything. Oh, no uh, problem.
1: Thanks again for having me. I really All appreciate right. it. All right. Thanks for being on. Thank you for listening to the Fit Podcast. I hope James' story inspires you to make some changes in your life. To get a, your free copy of his book called The Best Me, head over to the show notes at fitcoach.com. That is F-Y-T dot com. There you can find more success stories just like this one to inspire you to get started on your own journey. Thank you for listening. And until next time, don't just do it, just do you.
0: Thank you for listening to the Fit Diaries podcast. You can find pictures and additional information about today's guest's transformation on www.fitcoach.com.